0: How We Built Our Team is a podcast that talks to successful founders and leaders in the hiring and recruiting space to learn their strategies for building and scaling their teams. From attracting and impressing top talent to creating a strong company culture, our guests will share their insights and experience on what it takes to build your dream team. Today we sat down with Aaron Levin, head of engineering at Fiveable, to learn how he built his engineering team from the ground up and how they augmented their hiring process as they grew. We also talk about what to look for when hiring software engineers and how to optimize your process for diversity, all the way through the interview.
1: So today we welcome Aaron Levin. He's currently the head of engineering at Fiveable, which is a series A education tech company. And he spent nearly four years there. After training as a full stack, and He was promoted just 18 months into take on the whole eng department. So he's kind of has had this passion for education and has spent... Quite a lot of time during instructing students across different engineering disciplines. So, Aaron, we're excited to have you here. Welcome to the show today.
2: I'm super excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me on the show. We really want to
1: dive into your experience building the engineering team out at Fiveable, and we'd really love for folks to kind of get this detailed look into how you've approached hiring in your role as head of eng. So, to start off, let's take a little bit of a step back in time to. When you're first promoted, first role as a leader within a, within a company, how big was the team then and what did your hiring mandate look like at that time?
2: Oh, man, it feels like centuries ago in the startup world, 2019 or around early 2020, the team must have been under 10. Engineering was definitely less than a third of the company, maybe three or four engineers total. And our funding was pretty significant, like we, we didn't have a lot of cash at the time. I think we had maybe a raised $600,000 or something. And so a huge budget for recruiting, a lot of it had to go towards headcount, So we had to be really creative with, we had to be really creative with how came out. And so I, I have to give a quick shout out to our CEO, Amanda do Amaral, because she's been super, she's been super involved in figuring out things that do and don't work across the industry. We've done a lot of experimenting internally led by her example. And so she was the one that introduced me to the fact that you can find great candidates. And so we did like literal outreach on Twitter. Some of the best teammates that we've had since then were people we found there. Even today, like we've still found really good talent on there, but man, it was not scalable. Like it takes so much time to reach out to people personally and to like continue talking to them once they respond. Like as soon as you have more than a few people you're talking to, it's like, you can't do your work at the same time as having a conversation with another person. So that was where we were when I got started. Did a lot of outreach on LinkedIn as well. Uh, about it more later, but there's a lot of people on LinkedIn. And so you sometimes you get bare crowd. And again, just not super scalable. Eventually we raised more money. Application in ATS, applicant tracking system. We used Workable. We really liked it, but our head of people had to do a lot of facilitation, like to get the logistics of it right. And something you're doing internally until we found Dover really like just took up so much of our time and, do- and workable was a great system. It's just so much overhead to manage things like this. And um, yeah, those were some of the things that we were doing when I first got in here and that we experimented with, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I know there's a lot you can do when you have to get scrappy and like reaching out to people on Twitter, could that look like for you? Like, how did you identify what types of people you needed on your team at that point?
2: Oh, yeah. That was a huge challenge of uh, me learning how to do this role too, is that <laughs> uh, we're building a product at the same time as figuring out what product to build further down the road. And so we're like, what talent do we need? Do we get back-end engineers and front-end engineers? What if the work we do six months from now is more back-end focused than front-end focused? And then again, it comes back to how hard it is to find cal- candidates that are flexible or interested in exactly what you need your options are when you've got twitter and linkedin as your main sources of filtering candidates and so my approach has been like to out a flexibility for as long as well, even now we really try and hire people with a product mentality because if an engineer is flexible in what they can work on and they have the right mentality for what you're trying to build and the problems you're trying to solve it'll get you a lot further than hiring someone that can be handed a spec because that's like more overhead for your product team now. They need to be really rigid and it's not really a trusting culture if, you, if you're if you expecting people, this domain, this side of the company knows the best about this. We're going to hand off the requirements to them. So we really like everyone to have context on what we're trying to do and just hire flexibly people that like to wear a lot of hats.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially as a small early stage team. Where it's really hard to plan your hiring in advance, like six months down the road when you don't know what you might be building. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about as you were experimenting with not just finding candidates, but how did you sort of up your interview process to filter for those types of things? Say, someone's building out engineering and they want to hire for those things, but they're like, what do I look for? How do I know that's what candidates have?
2: We. So I think it was challenging when we were such a small team because if you really wanted to get like a full comprehensive, like overview of a candidate you would want. It takes up a lot of your team's time. So we would want, and we would take the time to do that for sure. Um, but it pulls engineers and it pulls me away from other things that we could be working on. And again, when you're small, like you much of your time as you can and learning about the problems you want to solve. We, uh, we had a technical round where we would ask them to, we would have a technical round where we would give them some premise and ask them how they would approach the problem. Like. How would you spec out from the front end to the back end? Like how would you architect a feature that solves some kind of problem or, and like, sometimes we would give them the feature generally and ask them to scope out, like, how would you just just work on this? Would you, how would you break it into phases, things like that? And you could generally get a good sense of like how wide their knowledge is because they don't Mm -hmm. have the whole thing. They just have to plan out the project. And so you could see how one thing through the details of it up to the process where we would ask their like philosophy on testing for example and that helped us like weed out people that have a really pragmatic mind stage startups because they would like a great quality answer would be uh, if you're trying to validate a new idea like maybe it doesn't make sense to like treat it like it's a it's the next golden thing the company's going to be working we want to do something simple get some validation once it starts taking off then what well, we can rebuild the whole thing but if you spend the whole planning it thoroughly from the start You're not going to get to throw many eggs at the wall and see which ones stick. Things like that.
3: That makes a lot of sense. I have a question for you, Aaron, pivoting a little bit slightly. So I've heard, and I could be wrong, that engineers receive a lot of messages every day from recruiters. Uh, Has that been your experience personally as a candidate and what in your experience as a candidate, as well as a hiring manager? gets a passively passive candidate to respond to any opportunity? Oh,
2: I appreciate this question a lot because a literal thing that keeps me up at night because I have notifications on my phone. And yeah, it's definitely a problem, but I think the problem is really not that recruiters reach out so much. They're doing their jobs. It's, I think it's that a lot of people treat it like a numbers game. And so then it feels like your time is being disrespected as an engineer. And as a hiring manager, it feels like a waste. of, And so it's just demoralizing on both sides. If you're reaching out to candidates that realistically don't have any sign of being interested in what you're working on. So for example, like we could reach out to a bunch of people that have worked for the last 10, 15 years in finance industry. Their whole profile says that they love it and staying in it forever. Education in general is like different than the kinds of problems that you're solving in fintech. And so out to them when like, sometimes the comp is a lot industries too. We, it might just sound f. I I, you could for myself personally, like when I was in more of an IC role, they would reach out to me saying they really appreciate my with X, Y, and Z. And I literally don't have anything on my profile that says I have experience with X, Y, and Z. It's just just going to ignore them. And I used to respond to them too. And I was like, here's what you should do differently. And then that was exhausting. It's something that should change in the industry. I really hope it does. And I think it's starting to.
3: And I would love to hear, how do you feel Dover has helped you with that?
2: Oh yeah. Or do you
3: feel Dover helped with that?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's probably one of my top three favorite things of Dover is that The outreach is so personalized that we are reaching out to not only more candidates, but more higher quality candidates too. And so it's usually it feels like there's a trade-off where if you want to go for quality, you have to compromise quantity. But with Dover, it it genuinely doesn't feel like that. And so as a candidate, I feel like their time is being respected a lot more. And, and I think that translates to why we have such higher rates of, of response rates from candidates, because we're actually only reaching out to people within our industry. It's easier to find the ones that have experience in the areas we're looking to hire and much better, more personalized process that benefits both sides of the equation.
3: I think that's super interesting. Uh, a follow up question to that is a lot of our customers at Dover, even with all the personalized outreach, still struggle to find female engineers. Yeah. Is that a challenge you face as well? And what tips would you give other hiring managers who are looking to hire female engineers?
2: I want to take a step back and look at like the broader context is that the real reality is that there are less female engineers than male engineers and non-binary and anything non-male in general. And this is actually one of the reasons I'm interested in education is that I think from a young age, there's kids are growing up not being exposed to people that do the things that they're interested in. And then you don't really see the path for yourself in it. So it's a real privilege to be a hiring manager and to be in a position where we can try and make our company set the example that you can have a any kind of software engineer. And Dover does help with that a lot. The fact that we're able to, we're able to tune our outreach so that Uh, so that female candidates aren't completely drowned out by all the and where we are specifically reaching out to more diverse candidates in general, is really helpful because it helps us truly like actually act on the things that we want to do. And it makes it a lot easier to do it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. You mentioned your, your CEO was super involved in the beginning in the process. Has she still been involved in the process? Like tactically, has she been somebody that you've brought into the engineering interview process? or uh, the outreach process to sort of mitigate that feeling of being reached out to by a male and you're a female engineer and wondering about that, that makeup in the company? That's
2: a great question. We've done a few different things. So we always extend the opportunity for candidates at the end of their interview process to meet with her because I think it's really important they get to see like from the woman herself, like what we stand for and hear it in her words. I love that she's been open to doing that because it definitely takes up time out of her day to do it. But yeah, we've also tried with having outreach come directly from her. Dover makes that easy as well. Dover makes that easy because we can do A-B tests and emails from different people on our team. It it literally couldn't be easier to test out and see where candidates are the most receptive to to our outreach.
3: Cool.
1: I want to, I guess, a step back to a little earlier part in the conversation. You mentioned that you kind of more funding and thinking about scaling up recruiting. How did you approach it at that
2: point in time? We... So we raised our seed round, so we had like, finally had some more budget to start trying more mature ways of doing outreach, more scalable ways of doing outreach and sourcing, and that was when we first found Dover. And then when we raised our series A, we were like, okay, now we really have funding. Like now we really have capital to invest the outreach time to grow up and use like a full-time professional recruiter or two and it was a really interesting experience because we realized that dover may be like the cheaper alternative but it was actually better for where we were at as a company too and don't get me wrong like larger companies i think having an in-house recruiter is a huge luxury and really awesome in a lot of ways but for a company scale that needs to be flexible and not have a lot of overhead with our recruiting process it was a really good option for us and more affordable less logistical overhead it and weirdly, it like felt like Dover was an extension of our team. Like literally like they were a part of our team, even though they didn't really use up much of our time on an individual basis. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that some of my thoughts about our process, that's the way that we went.
1: Yeah, definitely. I want to hear more about how specifically uh, you work with the Dover team, but before we jump mm-hmm. into that, I think you bring up an interesting point that a lot of founders in the past, raised a big round and we're like, all right, let's just spend it on hiring more people because now we can. Uh, now in today's kind of environment where it's much harder to raise, people are a lot mm. uh, keeping their purse strings a little more close to their chest. Do you think that mindset will kind of evolve as people think more critically about how am I going to spend now that I have funds or has that mindset changed at all? Would you say? Oh
2: yeah, that mindset changes. A lot of the big tech giants now are facing the music finally, where they, were, they drove up salaries in a way by just hiring and go there's all these reports coming out now of people that had to fight to find things to work on at those companies. And it's not courteous to them or the employees that now are getting laid off because of it, where they thought they were comfortable and safe. So I hope that companies continue to hire for the roles that they need and like regularly evaluate, like listen to your employees too. Do they feel like the work they're doing is meaningful like constantly? Because it's probably a red flag if you, if you're fighting to find things for them to work on. And it's a shame that we got to the climate that we're in right now, but hopefully I am seeing like a lot of venture funding still out there, especially for earlier semistic that there's like, there are roles for these people who are laid off to move into that this kind of awakening helps us not make those same mistakes in the next decade.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I just had a follow up question on the salary comment that you made. Yeah. It is a tough question, but I would love your perspective on it. So obviously we are seeing a lot of layoffs, a lot of engineers, I think for the first time in the history of layoffs are getting laid off to the degree they are, some of them have got great packages or were laid off with a great salary because of you know, just the way things were a couple of months ago. How do you feel these or at what salary do you think these people will be hired back at? Or what salary should they be offered? And I'm mostly curious about how this will impact internally the kind of salary that exists within a company.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I'm going to try to avoid giving a cop-out answer, even though at the end of the day, it definitely depends on like where the person ends up being picked back up at another company. And so the industry is super relevant. The stage, obviously, if you're going to go to an earlier stage company, they'll want you to be paid in equity more than anything else. I don't know. I mean, from like pure economic sense, like from a pure economic sense, there's like more supply and and maybe less demand in the labor market. And the employers definitely have an upper hand when it comes to giving salaries. You'd expect salaries to go down if that's the case. But so far, that's not really the case. It's more industry dependent. And the companies that have been thriving a lot and have funds and dinner can still pay people the same amount they would have before. I don't know what it's going to mean for companies like Meta and Meta and Netflix, Google, etc., because they did overhire in some instances. And so maybe, yeah, I'm not really sure that. One thing I will call out is something that I, interesting I read recently was that there's a lot of people acknowledge that there's startups and then there's fang and there's big tech and this thing i was reading was saying that there's an interesting middle ground where it's like tech companies that aren't really tech companies so like kroger is an example of that like grocery store companies like target etc where they've always had like a really reliable business model and so they didn't over hire for the prospect of achieving massive user growth and what have you they've just always hired what they needed And so surprisingly, you don't hear about companies like Target and Walmart doing massive layoffs right now, necessarily, because they've Mm -hmm. built sustainably. And so companies like that, I think, are especially poised to continue giving out the salaries that they've been for the past several years and decades. So those are some of my thoughts on that.
3: That's so interesting. So it seems like the talent from big tech will probably flow back to the more traditional industries, potentially, because they seem to be hiring still. I never thought of it that way. You know, thanks, thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're also seeing a lot of new companies get founded from people who maybe have like months of severance from Facebook or Meta that are like, "Oh, great! I've always kind of started something. Why not try it now?" So I saw something posted that new UYC batch is still getting funding despite the market and everything.
2: Yeah, totally. We're during the last recession, and I think companies like Uber and maybe Airbnb were some of the biggest things now that came out of that. And especially right now with this booming AI landscape, like it's insane the amount of people that are gonna have months of severance that they can just actually focus on taking a risk and building their own thing now. Like I can't wait to see what the what kind of companies spawn out of this a few years from now. It's really exciting in a way.
1: So I know we've gone kind of, mm-hmm. on a few different kind of tangents here, but it'd be helpful to go back and learn a little bit more about how your team has used Dover. I know you said you think of Dover like an extension of your team, and you've obviously used it a lot for sourcing and outbounding candidates. How do you normally work with the Dover a mix of software and then obviously support from folks on the Dover side as well? hundred
2: percent. I would say like hundred percent of the way, 90% of the way that we work with Dover is just through Slack. So generally like when we're in a groove and we don't need anything from like actual Dover support staff, we've got candidates coming into a Slack channel. Our, it couldn't be easier for our team to be on the same page, a candidate right in the Slack thread, quickly see links to their LinkedIn, to their resume, to any conversation they've had with us via email, and we can just click a button right in Slack, make a decision, easy, clearly couldn't be easier. I keep saying that, but it's just generally so. We do all of that in Slack. And then when we do, on the rare occasions, we do need something random. It's like, we need to respond or reschedule, or we don't know how to use part of the Dover app because frankly, we're just too lazy to figure it out. Even though literally today, like it was so easy. I was like, I don't wanna bother them. So I'm gonna go figure it out. Uh, So anyway, thank you to the Dover team for putting up with us asking the same questions over and over, but we'll leave a comment and we'll like tag the Dover support bot and literally within 20 minutes, maybe they'll always respond and uh, they'll handle things manually. And then they'll tell us how to do it ourselves the next time. Uh, It's probably one of the support teams I've worked with, like in terms of the way that you guys actually help us when we need help, but also like the system that you place, like I don't need to do a phone tag or email tag for a couple of days to get what we need. Email tag is the worst, but Slack, literally just tla- tag a Slack bot and then anyone on your team, I think, can respond. We don't have a single rep and if they're out of office, we can't get help. Like, um, So we really rely on that Slack bot a lot and it's super helpful.
1: That's awesome to hear. Something that we're kind of exploring going into this next quarter is making your bets on kind of conversational AI and even making that even easier than the interfaces that you interact with over wow. So we're super excited about that. I talked to one of our engineers earlier today and he's like, so excited about what we're working on now. So that hopefully will be coming up. Yeah,
2: me too. That sounds like a really good opportunity. And like the worst case scenario is that for some amount of time, we don't get the right response from it, but at least we're getting something back immediately. And then over time, it'll obviously get better too. And yeah, that's super exciting. I can't wait to see that roll out.
1: Awesome. I'm curious how Dover has helped you kind of iterate on your recruiting process. kind of you approach getting candidates? So obviously what that looks like now is maybe a little bit different than when you were building your team of like three or four engineers. Totally. Do you have any comments on that?
2: Yeah, totally. I would say that because so much of the Dover process can be done through Slack and also just in a single platform, like our sourcing is even happening through there. And I'd say because of all the ways that Dover works, because it takes the grunt work out of the sourcing and recruiting and interviewing process even oh my gosh we haven't even talked at all about how you guys do the screening round but we get so much time back in our day from not having to worry about all the logistical overhead that we can spend a lot more time internally actually talking about the candidates themselves and also are we asking the right questions to the candidates like we like the time that we would have spent like figuring out why did it take an extra day for us to respond to this candidate is now spent on us actually talking about how we're interviewing people. Yeah, without getting into too much too many specifics, like that's how Dover has played a role in us being able to iterate. We just have more time to talk about the important parts.
1: Maybe this would be a good time to talk and talk more about how you've used the Dover screening round. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So Dover just handles the screening round. And so that first round when you're like you want to have more candidates coming in because you want to hear what they have to say and maybe there's a candidate that you're on the fence about and you want to have someone meet with them face to face and hear what they actually have to say give you some more context on their experience the fact that dover handles the screening round means that we're able to give more opportunity to people that we might have otherwise overlooked and if we're on the fence about someone and our time is precious and we don't have a lot of it you have to turn people down for screening but Because Dover handles that round, that's how we work with them. And we can iterate on our screening round questions. We just go into the portal and change them. Dover will ask them different things. You guys generally have pretty good context on our company and are able to answer questions about the role, which is really cool. Uh, If candidates ask about it, you guys actually, I've noticed you guys respond with answers to the role without necessarily needing to reach out to us for obvious ones, which is awesome. And you still reach out to us when people ask things that you don't know the answer to offhand. Yeah, that like top of funnel part, like Dover's just been critically huge for, for us, like improving our process.
1: I know that there's obviously a lot that you can do within Dover. And it's just kind of a matter of what do you want to offload versus what do you want to handle yourself? Some people like really want to take that time on the first call. But it seems like your team is all about kind of up leveling, getting the grunt work off the plate and making more opportunity for candidates to kind of show what they show what they know so you can give them the opportunity to interview with you down the line 100
2: percent. and we've been like so 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 pleasantly surprised by some of the candidates that we were really like on the fence about that ended up having an aw- reading around. we're like wow like they had such good things to say that their linkedin didn't necessarily reflect and so it's really awesome being able to do that
0: yeah aaron i'm also curious to know more more tactically too like if As you guys have scaled and grown your recruiting process, how has Dover, the way that you've used Dover, shifted and changed? Do you think of any, maybe like specific moments that you've thought about where you've viewed this as more of, not like a replacement for a recruiter, but a tool that aids in
2: that process? Oh, totally. What I'll say to that is that every time Dover rolls out a new feature, the process with Dover changes because guys (laughs) don't release bad features. So. Truly, the process changes every time that you give us a new opportunity to use it better. The most recent thing I can think of is of candidates that we want to interview. Uh, From are they actually in our industry? Do they have a history? Do they job hop a lot? Things like that and diversity, especially. I mean, uh, we have a new phased approach now for this role that we're working on a senior product engineer hire, and we wanted to like intentionally promote diverse candidates. So we split it into three phases. Two weeks where we prioritize diversity above everything else, uh, uh, all else held constant. But, And then we open it up to more people where now more outreach to more people care a little bit less about diversity because again, there's less candidates in that pool. So if we don't find one in those first two weeks, we broaden the search. And then the third phase of that is that now we, uh, phase three is that we open it up more to people that job have a history of job hopping a little bit more. And so uh, things like that, every time you guys were, were able to, enhance the way that we find candidates so we can find better and better matches
3: i'm curious do you use dover to clean your inbound applications because i feel especially these days there are a lot of people a lot of great people who are looking for jobs and they may be actively applying more than ever before especially software engineers
2: i'm so glad that you brought that up because we were literally talking about that yesterday because we still have our own company website, and we still want candidates to apply directly. Like some of the best candidates you'll ever get are the ones that found you rather than you finding them. And so Dover generates a job application. They even can use AI and just so you can get something up really quickly. Because a lot of uh, a lot of job app, job description pages are generally pretty similar these days. Nice, you guys can produce one for us. But, but yeah, so we literally just link to the Dover job application and job description right from our website. And that was what we were talking about yesterday is like, we wanna make sure we've got more surface area for direct applicants to find us. And we also want them to go straight through the Dover process because we love having it come right to our Slack channel so we could thumbs up and move them forward, go through the Dover screening round. The more we can unify our process by far the better. And I almost totally forgot that's an awesome aspect of Dover, having those Dover JDs is great.
3: Yeah, doable generated JDs. I think we we use a little bit of AI to you know put together something pretty quickly. So I'd love to hear that. And I love your your thoughts on the inbound process as well. Would love to hear. I know that you you're interested. and You love the use of AI in recruiting. So would love to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think? Is it here to stay? Is it the future of recruiting?
2: It's funny how the AI has taken off across every industry and. We gaslight ourselves a little bit, at least myself and some of my colleagues, when we talk, we're like, is this a fad? Is everyone like just hop, like every platform has AI now, which is a testament to how easy companies like to build AI products. It's really applicable, outstanding. But in recruiting, especially in recruiting, especially, I think it's here to stay because everything I was saying earlier about how hard it is to find how manual and tedious and hard it is to find candidates that are. In your, in your industry or have experience with your tech stack and even the outreach, especially the outreach, like I, I skim a candidate's profile and find that they're a good match and then thumbs up it and then write an email to them. And I want to personalize my outreach to them. I want them to know I actually looked at the page, but gosh, it's just so tedious to do that. Uh, and so if I can trust this AI to write something in my tone of voice that tells them about, and even can go a step further and say, not only do we see that you have perfectly relevant experience. You look like you'd be interested in this job we have open, but also like, here's how your experience connects to the actual job that we're hiring for. I've never seen anything so personalized. It's it's finding higher quality candidates. It's respecting their time. And I think it's just outstanding. I'm really excited to see the other ways that it's used within recruiting that I haven't even thought of yet.
1: Awesome. We're also very excited about it. Uh, I do have an, another question. Yeah. Oh, I know I had reached out to you recently about a new community that Dover is launching called the Venture Hiring Network. Essentially, we thought it would be a great way to bring together founders, heads of engineering, heads of marketing, folks like yourself at other kind of seed and series A companies to talk about team building and company building and what that looks like specifically at a company at that stage that you're at now. So I know you're excited to join. Can you maybe share a Couple words about what it would be like to kind of connect with folks in a similar position.
2: Mentorship has been everything for me. Stepping into a role like this one, I had a lot of advantage that this is, I'm newer to being a people manager. And there's, for an early stage startup, you have to do people, you have to do product, you have to do process. Like you wear a lot of hats. And if you haven't worn some of those before, like you have a completely open, like clean slate at how you're going to approach a lot of these things. But do you really want to spend all that time making those mistakes yourself? Or do you want to learn from other people's mistakes and like what they've tried? For me, like I had a coach for a chunk of time. When I first started doing this, I had a coach. I talked to people in the industry. Like it's incredible, like simple processes you'll hear from other teams that could be so applicable to yours. Like there's, this is an art, not a science. And so the only way you can really figure it out is being exposed that have recently been in your shoes or are currently in your shoes. And so Having other people that are at a similar stage to you or a little bit further along is just critical for you not wasting time making painful mistakes yourself when they have the lessons to already teach you for it. So, yeah, it means a lot to me that I might have the opportunity to be in this network.
1: Oh, yeah, you're okay. in it. <laughs> we just haven't launched it yeah. yet. Uh, so, yeah, that was a great answer. I have a, a take that learn. I'm kind of a lifelong learning type personality, but some of the best people to learn from are obviously like experts in your field. But also people who are a few steps ahead of you and people going through it with you. So it fits, I guess, the second two of those. 100%. Um, but awesome. So I guess we have one final question before we wrap up here. But if there was one piece of advice you'd give yourself like 18 months ago, when you were just starting out as kind of hiring manager, people leader, What would it be?
2: I wish I thought about this one more. I I have a journal with a lot of advice I would have given to myself. And it's funny when you don't look at it, the first things that come to mind aren't necessarily, but they might be like because it's the first thing you think of. I would say I probably would have told myself to find a coach sooner because, like, for myself at least, like, there's a ton of imposter syndrome in it, right? You are responsible for the allocation of a lot of money and and you want to be respectful to your org because that's one of your biggest resources to get the job done once you start growing. And most importantly, we owe it to the students that we serve at our company. Like everything has always been about them. That's what I uniquely love about Fiveable compared to other education companies. Uh, and so I want to see us succeed on this mission. And I, I don't want my imposter syndrome to get in the way of me being able to do my job. I don't want to be having anxiety prevent me or make it take a week longer for me to kick off some new process. I, I At the beginning of it, I was like, I was a perfectionist. If there's a flaw with this process, I wanted to kick off. I would talk to people more on our team before we kicked it off. And since then I've gotten a lot better at saying there are going to be problems from this process, but whether we plan ahead or not, there are going to be problems. So we might as well kick it off and just start addressing them as we go. And and I think my coach helped me realize that a lot. Shout out to Brian Dayton. I've had a few other coaches that have been really great, but I worked with him for a while and, uh, helped build my confidence. He helped me understand what my job should actually be here. And uh, the coaches, coaching is a really important thing for new leaders. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great tip. I also think to boil it down, it's like knowing that we all need help. Like we all need to ask for help. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for all of your insights and your time today. Can you share maybe where people can find you and follow along or follow along with Fiveable's journey? Oh
2: yeah. Fiveable.me is our website. And if you're looking to find me, I'm on LinkedIn. I post occasionally. My My profile on every platform is A-Vin, A-W-L-E-V-I-N. Same thing on Instagram, same thing on Twitter. And I'm hanging out there. Maybe just a little bit more in the times to come if people are curious about what I have to say on things, but yeah, find me.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. How We Built Our Team is produced by Dover, a recruiting operations platform that helps you attract and engage the best talent. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts.